Welcome to Insurance Tomorrow, the podcast that looks at emerging trends and technology to assess the impact they might have on businesses and the insurance industry. Keep listening to the end when we'll be talking about the impact of this on brokers specifically. The critical aspect is really to think about how you're going to work in collaboration with the supplier, put the correct governance in place, ensure that your business remains resilient so that you can continue to provide services for your customer. This podcast is brought to you by Alliance Insurance and I'm your host, Steph McGovern. Now today, we're going to be discussing the future of supply chains. Over the last 18 months, the pandemic has made uncertainty something that every business has had to deal with on top of other external factors such as Brexit, economic downturns and natural disasters. There's no doubt that the ingenuity, resilience and flexibility of supply chains have been tested. But now businesses must build in sufficient flexibility to protect against future disruption. So to discuss this, I'm joined by an expert panel. From Allianz, we've got Ola Melnick, Head of Procurement and Property Management. Also, Jamie Chalmers, who's Supplier Relationship Manager. And from the ABI, we have Ben Howarth. Manager, Climate Change and Open Data Policy. Uh, thanks very much for joining me. So Ola, let me start with you. Just give us that sense of why supply chains are so important. Thanks a lot, Steph, for having me. Why supply chains are important? Uh, well, let's just review here some statistics. Uh, for some businesses, up to 80% or even higher of their output comes from external supply chains. Um, secondly, uh, supply chains impact businesses' resilience and reputation. For example, up to 95% of companies' climate impact comes through their supply chains. And lastly, um, according to McKinsey uh, lately, supply chain disruptions cost the average organizations 45% of one year's profits, and that over the course of a decade. So it's really important to effectively manage supply chains. And, and Jamie, what are your thoughts on the importance? So they're very important, really, in the overall customer journeys and providing a successful business. Suppliers are providing critical services to our customers. And I guess if you look at it in the financial um, services industry, businesses don't always have the capability to offer all of those services that a customer requires. So it's quite critical to really work with us, work and develop supplier relationships to be able to provide those services. Also working with the suppliers and building, building relationships can also provide additional benefits. So you can be given access to new tools, new technology, and suppliers can provide innovation. Yeah. Uh, so Ben, how do you think the supply chains are being impacted right now? Because there are so many things being thrown at them out there. Um, really, the, the way that you kind of judge the trust and um, ability of our sector is through its claims handling. Um, and actually, when you look in practice, a lot of that claims handling is done through a reliable supply chain. So that's I think that's really where you see these kind of pressure points. Um, and I think looking at the wider economy at the moment and a lot of the supply chain pressures, our industry is one that's called on when people need help the most. You know, you've really got to be able to rely on that supply chain to deliver in circumstances where our customers are facing significant challenges. So delays and disruption to supply chains have a really major impact in what we do. Yeah, yeah. But some of them all have been inevitable given everything that's been happening. Yes, absolutely. Um, some of the issues we're hearing about in the mainstream medias are all impacting our supply chains. Um, such as Brexit's uh, ability to source car parts, including green parts, um, labor in building materials shortages, 
Um, also, semiconductor chip shortages impacting corporate fleet renewals, high cars availability for our customers, and the list goes on and on. Um, and that's where the importance of the resilience of the supply chains really comes on top of every board's agenda now. Um, but, but in my view, making it supply chain resilient is just a good practice that needs to be embedded in company strategies and, you know, essentially protecting its future. And Jamie, can I just ask you to kind of detail for us some of the, the pressures that there have been for suppliers? Yeah, the, I think they're very public at the moment, so people will be probably very well aware of them. But you, there's a few core or key risks that are kind of about. So one's being actually access to materials, delays in goods, increasing cost, access to resource and talent at the moment are real challenges. And I guess these two, these these risks have been kind of made visible or have been heightened through two of the biggest things that have happened to us recently. So if we talk about Brexit, that has contributed to this in quite a way. So it's providing challenges with them. Um, at the beginning, companies were trying to stockpile. So that was causing delays to goods being, being able to come through into the country. And also we've recently seen um, with the fuel crisis, the lack of HGV drivers available, which is coming again, causing delays in goods. The much bigger impact, though, has been COVID. So if we look at COVID, when that first happened, we went into a lockdown and kind of the economy slowed down. That meant a significant reduction in demand for materials and goods and services. So the global manufacturers ramped down their operations and kind of reacted to this. As the economies have now opened back up, you're seeing a surge in demand, which the the manufacturers and the services can't meet. So you're starting to see delays in aspects such as um, computer chips, access to paper, timber, all of these raw materials and goods, which then actually starts to impact on consumer items such as cars, for example. So accessing or getting access to brand new or purchasing brand new cars at the moment, you're going to have a much longer lead time just due to the impacts of the supply chain issues. And all of this is causing an increase in costs. So many risks circulating in two core aspects as to why that's really happening at the moment. Yes, it's a very good point. Um, To add to what Jamie just said, um, there are some direct consequences of of a double whammy caused by COVID and Brexit. Um, You know, one of them being increased inventories of critical products, um, components and materials that already stretch companies' finances. Um, the, another consequence is, is that in the race for, for securing um, their supply chains, um, lots of companies have been caught uh, by, by, again, by increased inventory levels and that without adjusting their level of insurance and therefore running a risk of being under, underinsured as a result. Um, and, I, and I guess this is where, as an industry, we need to work together with our regulators, uh, peers, and partners um, to to tackle this kind of problem, to raise awareness and at at the end of the day, to help businesses and our clients to adjust to the new realities, um, you know, including increasing their supply chain resilience. You know, we spend a lot of time talking about the big kind of systemic risks and challenges that are facing the sector. It's kind of our core business model as an industry. Um, Increasingly, I think one of the key learnings is probably to make sure that you've got all those different functions joined up and talking to each other. So you've got underwriters who spend all day assessing the risks in supply chains and businesses across the economy. So in terms of the own, our own supply chain that we learn on, I think it's really important to make sure that you've got all of those different risk management functions sort of joined up and pointing in the same direction. 
What would you say are some of the top innovations in the supply chain space that businesses should be aware of? I guess if you look at general supply chains, you'll probably read a lot about innovation in the retail sector. So if you're thinking about artificial intelligence and um, how artificial intelligence can be used to, to manage supply chains, so in the, in the, yeah, the retail sector, they'll be using artificial intelligence to, to buy goods and services and meet demand. So if you're thinking about in your supermarket, for example, when something goes off the shelf, instead of having a human person purchasing goods, actually that can probably manage through artificial intelligence. I think if you if you bring this back more to the financial services industry and utilizing some of that technology, which probably isn't as relevant, there are still opportunities to use AI. So if we're thinking about our contract management practices, so for example, using AI to read and understand contracts at a, at a high volume, they can assess the contracts and understand the relevant clauses that are contained within the contract and then make recommended um, changes to increase protection. So that's definitely one area of innovation that we could be exploiting or could be seeing in the, in the near future or is already being used. Let me ask then just about the green supply chains. Do you think they are essential in the future then? Not just obviously for the usual ESG credentials, but actually to make supply chains more resilient, Jamie? I think a green supply chain is brilliant. I think we have to consider what our existing supply chain is as well at the moment. So what you want to understand is where you currently are. And I think it's this isn't a, a, a business challenge. This is a global world challenge, isn't it? It impacts all of us as individuals. So I think what we sh- what, what we sh- people should be looking at and thinking about is actually how can I support all of the suppliers and actually move them along on this journey instead of at this point now just cutting off some relationships. So actually Actually, how can we educate? How can we support? How can we reinforce? Because some of the large organisations with a lot of um, resources available to us to actually support these conversations and really drive a, a, a positive change instead of thinking this as, a, as more of a business thing. I think this is a much bigger area than just um, a business perspective. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that about the key role that the sector can play in kind of a supporting role for the supply chain that we work with. Um, one point I'd emphasise, I think, is that there is, and, and rightly so, a big focus on the role that financial services, and for that, the insurance sector is, is a big part, can play in kind of driving the wider economy um, towards more sustainable choices. I think a lot of that focus is on the role of the sector as an investor, or in some cases as an underwriter. Um, but actually, the work we've been doing in the ABI on our climate change roadmap, we've identified the supply chain as an area where we can make progress a bit more quickly. Um, And I think there's two bits. One, there's some really big contracts that the industry does where I think we can afford to be slightly more demanding on our suppliers. And actually, for some of those sectors, they've already got decent climate credentials that we can build on. But I think there's also, as a sector, unlike perhaps some of the other parts of financial services, we work really closely with the small business community to deliver a lot of our services, particularly in general assurance claims. And there, I think there will be quite big gaps in understanding Um, And one of the things we can do as a sector that I think hopefully looks to collaborate um, as much as we possibly can is to have more consistency in the sort of information that we ask for and the way that we approach this issue. There are a countless number of acronyms and organisations and standards and pledges that people can sign up to demonstrate their climate credentials. And I think those are going to consolidate over the next few years because I think charities and things like that are are getting hot on greenwashing and starting to see the, the initiatives that really make an impact come to the top. But that's still an evolving process. And I think one thing our sector can do is actually just really help, particularly the small businesses we work with, really understand what 
good and bad sustainability practices. That's not to say that we're perfect as an industry, and I think we've still got quite a big journey to go on ourselves. Um, but I think we've got the capability to navigate that space you know, much more easily than, say, a regional motor garage. And I think we can help people really understand this and see what good practice looks like. Yeah. And do you think that we are seeing more collaboration to make this happen? Because it's really interesting. Whenever I talk to businesses, it's all, it is always about, you know, if, if you collaborate more on things, especially things which is everyone's responsible for, like sustainability, it can make a big difference. Do you think we are seeing more of that in the industry then? I definitely do. Um, so I've been sort of leading our work on this climate roadmap. I don't want to oversell it. We're definitely at the early stages of the work, but you know, you really are seeing an appetite. And I think sustainability is one of those areas where there are some competitive elements. And I think there are ABR members that would want to position themselves as you know in the forefront and showing best practice on climate change. And they'd see it as, as part of their commercial offering as well. Um, but equally, I think they all recognise that there are some aspects of this where you know, particularly these kind of conversations with suppliers where it, it makes no sense to all be asking for slightly different variations of the same thing from your suppliers. It makes much more sense to be asking for exactly the same thing. So I think we're, I think we're going to see that. And I think actually there is a genuine appetite to do it. Yeah. Um, so Ali, let me ask you then just about how businesses might incorporate more greener and sustainable practices in their business, you know, into their supply chain. Have you got any examples of, of any doing that? Yes, absolutely. Um, it all starts at the top by embedding ESG and sustainability in company strategies. Um, and this, this flows then into supply chain strategies. Um, and none of this is new. And it's been there for years, if not decades. Um, an, an example from my early career includes packing containers return and reuse. And it's still relevant today for those involved in um, physical retail operations. Um, at Allianz, for example, we initiated a, a structured approach with our environmental office um, to, to look into supply chain and procurement categories with the highest impact um, and, and ESG metrics uh, that also impact our customers. Um, and, and so we see three priority areas to focus on right now. So the first one is, um, you know, the one that's really close to my heart is, you know, energy consumption. And that is for both our operations, but also through our supply chain, such as outsourced data centers and cloud. Um, so on the corporate side, we call it Project RE100, where RE stands for Renewable Energy, uh, and 100 is our 2023 target to achieve 100% of renewables globally. Uh, and I'm super proud to say that in the UK, all our corporate offices will be covered by renewable energy by the end of this year. So, um, so this, this is the first one. The second priority area is travel, um, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh, and the third one is, you know, really the heart of what we do is uh, claim sustainability. Um, with an example of uh, green car parts, um, you know, I gave earlier, uh, that contain less embedded carbon and cost up to you know, 75% less than the newly manufactured equivalent. It's kind of loops back to the innovation point because, um, you know, innovation is, is really striving when the right relationships are in place, um, supported by the right contracts, providing right incentives to all parties to move into that direction. Uh, because ultimately, green business is good business. Um, you know, green business reduces energy consumption. Uh, lowers energy costs and helps to recruit and retain employees. Jamie, 
If you're going out and looking to acquire new services, I think the key step you should be taking is ensuring that you're assessing the ESG credentials of a company um, and really understanding what their journeys is and what sustainable products they can be offering. I think you then might look to also add particular clauses into contracts. So, okay, targeting renewable energy or targeting reduction in emissions might be ways you can achieve this. And again, I think going back, it's what's critical really is actually being able to provide that that advice and support to your suppliers and really support them along this journey. I, I think that's really a fundamental piece of this because there are going to be suppliers at the beginning of this journey that, that will really need some support. And actually, if you can offer that to them with the expertise that you have and talking to them, things like around um, standards that they might want to look at or looking at science-based targets, that kind of advice that they might not be aware of is probably going to be really critical to them working towards something like Net Zero. Just touching on what you were both saying there, because, um, you know, as a business journalist, I tend to talk a lot about uh, issues in the supply chain. And um, one of the things that always strikes me, and you mentioned it there about having, you know, contractual clauses or whatever, is why you can't just say you're not getting the gig unless you can actually adhere to all of these things, Ole? We believe that kind of soft landing educational um, approach is 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 better. Uh, it's, it's really kind of, you know, um, to your point, not um, throwing away what we've built for many, many years and kind of industry's practices, but really taking industry with us and, you know, with Ben's help and, you know, I'm sure this will happen. And um, being, you know, a large corporate as we are, I think it's really kind of putting the, the you know, our resources at play and, and you know, helping our partners, our supply chain partners to, you know, to get on this on that journey. Um, and, you know, by educating, giving them, you know, tools, by kind of showing the examples, uh, best bringing best practices, if we do this as, a, you know, holistically across the industry and, you know, in the, in the same way, yeah, we, we, we will definitely uh, get, get attraction and, and success. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think one of the key things, though, is... Um, to have a clearly transparent way of demonstrating that you're doing that because I think clearly at this point, your number one priority as an insurer would still be to your customer and make sure that when they make a claim, they can get the best possible possible settlement. But um, I think, and, and you know, there may be some areas of that where you haven't got a great deal of choice in terms of how sustainable the people that you're working with are or the costs are so widely different that there are com- commercial challenges to doing that. I think that's a key part of the roadmap is saying, actually, we need to have some very clear milestones and to be transparent um, and also frankly let experts on climate change assess what you're doing um, independently see whether you're living up to your word on this so i think it's really important that it's not just about making vague promises but having some publicly and transparent transparent commitment yeah and then can i talk about brokers then as well because i mean how can brokers be more sustainable in their business practices would you say ben um, there's a number of th- things they can do. So I would encourage them if they haven't already to sort of look at the ABI's climate roadmap and look at organisations like the Net Zero Insurance Alliance and, and consider getting involved with those initiatives. So that's probably the first one. Um, I think the second one is is to start thinking really from um, the customers that you deal with and where you can help them be more sustainable, because I think that's going to have the most impact. So uh, I'd focus in particular on the point of claim and the things you do for a customer and the point of claim and where you might be able to offer more sustainable um, options. Yeah, which brings me on neatly to, you know, what I guess brokers can do to uh, advise their clients on how to make their own supply chains more resilient. 
you know, starting starting with understanding where the company is on 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 this journey, really kind of you know uh, picking up those elements that that we mentioned before. You know, it's it's its own footprint, but also looking at the at the kind of top supply chain partners that that you know they have themselves. You know, where 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 the kind of the products, the services are coming from. And I would also add, also kind of look through the prism of all three ESG kind of aspects. So not only environmental sustainability, but also social and governance. So it's really kind of looking at the local supply chain sustainable supply chain kind of giving back to the community i guess then in conclusion what what is it you want people to take away from everything you said the kind of key message you, you want to get out there about you know supply chains and, and making them more resilient um jamie do you want to start us on that the key takeaways are really i think first is around working in collaboration with your supply chain. I think the question you touched on earlier, step was around, okay, why don't you just put a contract in place and then expect everything to happen? But it doesn't quite work like that. You can put everything you want into a contract, but if you don't work and manage and collaborate with the supplier, then you're not going to get the service that you signed up for. So the critical aspect is really to think about how you're going to work in collaboration with the supplier, put the correct governance in place, ensure that your business remains resilient so that you can continue to provide services for your customer. They're the kind of critical things as a minimum that you need to be doing. If you can then start to drive innovation, then that's going to be an added bonus and you will start to extract additional value from your supply chain. My key takeaway would be that um, green and resilient supply chains are here to stay and will become business as usual. Um, We need to work on further developing our supplier network with a continuing emphasis on sustainability and human rights, you know, help promote more sustainable products and services on a global scale. We have to synchronize and share best practices faster within our networks and channels. Um, in, in addition to that, uh, we need to define responsibilities as we started by defining energy as global category, for example, where we bundle and optimize the demand uh, that enables better projects delivery. Um, you know, we also need to explore further how we can support recycling and reducing waste, uh, as we already do with IT hardware. Resilience and sustainability have to be embedded in everything we do. Um, it, it, it is going to be hard. It is going to require leadership in the public and private sectors uh, and change in our public uh, and private lives. Oh, well, thank you so much to my guests, Ola Melnick, Jamie Chalmers and Ben Howarth. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast through your usual provider so you don't miss an episode. And we'd love it if you could leave a review because this helps to make the podcast easier for others to find. I'm Seth McGovern. Thanks for listening.